Welcome back to the podcast. Teo, good to see you again. Nice to see you too, Chris. How have you been? I've been great. And uh, I've been very uh, hardened by the great reviews that our first podcast had. It was well received by the league, wouldn't you say? Yes. Advertisers are uh, really happy about the reviews. Really up their budget. Um, yeah, we. I mean, almost everybody weighed in. It seems like uh, you guys are appreciating the podcast. So we'll try to keep it coming regularly throughout the season. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been an exciting league so far and excited to jump into today's episode. I think we've got some really, a really big guest uh, to lead off the show. Yeah, we're very excited to uh, introduce uh, the manager of Permanently IL, uh, Doug Rowe. Doug, welcome. Guys, thank you so much for having me. It is an honor. It's our pleasure. We've been we've been trying to get someone on this show for uh, last three or four years. I'm not sure we've ever had him. our our uh, booking agent has been on the phone the last two weeks and finally got Doug yesterday and was so psyched when he called us and told us about it. We're trying to get Machado. <laughs> we got Doug. That's a win. That is a win. Yes. So uh, great, to, great to have you on, Doug. Um, before we jump into some questions for you, and I'm sure everyone is going to be very interested to hear from you at this, uh, this special time after the bonanza of, uh, of trades and trade offers, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, How you, uh, you know, where you're from, what, how you got into baseball and fantasy baseball, how you found the league? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, born and raised in Miami, Florida, loved playing baseball pretty much all year round, um, moved to DC for work. And so I became a full fledged Nats fan because they started up right as I moved up here to DC. So, you know, Ryan Zimmerman, I'm a huge fan. Yep. Um, I've played fantasy sports for about two decades. I'll say that, um, I got really into fantasy sports when I started having kids and, you know, you're holding the baby and you're like, what am I going to do in this dark room for like an hour, right? Like I'm holding this kid, we're bouncing on the, on the ball. Like I need something to do. Um, and so I just started getting into more leagues and started dabbling into dynasty a little bit. Um, and you know, it's just, it's very easy, uh, when you're holding a kid at like three in the morning um, to read Rotor World for a little bit and just get caught up on what's going on. Um, and sort of one thing just sort of led to another and the sort of fascination with fantasy sports has not let up since. Um, I've done redraft baseball for a long time. It's my passion. I love it. I happen to be very good at it and decided, let's try this dynasty thing, right? I hear all about it and prospects and, you know, like, it honestly looked like a different language to me. I had no idea what was going on. Yep. I was intrigued. Um, randomly just went on Reddit and searched Dynasty Baseball and found your post and was like, okay. And almost like it, it just your setup and everything. I was like, this is the league. Like this guy is very thoughtful. I know sort of like this is going to be a legitimate league. I was all in and, you know, got a hold of you as quickly as I could. Um, and was just really thrilled to be part of the league. I think this is this is definitely one of the better leagues I've been in, and I'm in a couple of leagues that have been together for a couple of years. But this league is really active and just has a great group of uh, guys. We were just marveling before we started before we called you up at like how lucky we got. I, you know, put the put the, we put the lure in in Reddit for like. I don't know, half an hour and then had the league filled up and the the quality, like 
just a great group of people. We were ecstatic about that. Never, it never ceases to amaze. Yeah. I mean, like you could have been, it could have gone any number of ways. And it's crazy that like all the, all the guys who came in randomly are are, like really involved and, you know, respond on the message board and, you know, or just, yeah, it's, it's, it's worked out as as well as it could have. So props to Teo and props to you guys for keeping it moving. Yeah, for sure. Good vibes. Can you tell us a little bit about your co-manager? Yeah, so Josh is uh, my neighbor, actually. Uh, he lives probably a couple houses down. Um, and so he has little kids, like, same situation. And so, you know, when we get a little bored of, like, the raising kids thing, we're always talking, you know, trades, fantasy, you know, feeling out situations. Um, you know, being on your own is, um, I think, a lot easier but not as rewarding as having a co-manager like you know when you execute these big trades or you you know something big happens you have somebody to celebrate with yeah now with that sort of reward comes a lot more work right like we don't feel the same way about players there is a lot more negotiating that has to occur between the two of us um and so sometimes i just may be all in on a player and he's like zero percent and we can't get to 50, right? Like there's just no, there's just not going there. And so, you know, I think it, it helps to come up with like a strategy for like, okay, either we're going to try to negotiate each time or we're going to take turns, you know, making transactions, but it just makes it an interesting experience. Um, a lot of people scoff at it, like think it's completely ridiculous. Um, but for me, like ever since I started doing co-managing, um, it's just been a much more rewarding experience. Hmm. Fascinating. How much input does he have? Um, like, is it 50-50? Yeah, so, you know, anytime, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in the driver's seat because I, I dragged him into this. Um, I was like, hey, we're going to join this, you know, fantasy baseball league. And he's like, okay. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, pretty much anytime there's a move to make, I sent him a text saying, you know, let's do this. And then, so then we talk about it. You know, we do the research and then we come back and sort of meet up and say, okay, here's what I found. Here's what you found. Um, should we proceed, you know, yes or no. So like, you know, a simple waiver request could take like two hours instead of, you know, maybe five minutes if it's on your own. So like that part of it can uh, get a little time consuming, but on the other hand, um, you know, it it is rewarding. I bet it is. You know, I, my Twitter feed is just full of like random dudes adding Eric cross and being like, I don't know, (laughs) you know, should I, It'll be Gilbert or, uh, you know, Gilbert or Manoa, that, that kind of thing. Like these in dynasty, like suddenly like the fan graphs and all these advanced metrics don't matter quite as much because you're looking, you're trying to project over a long time frame, and, and anything can happen. And just having someone to like bounce ideas off of and get like a little bit of a sanity check on your moves must be, I, I, I hear you on like that being <clears throat> inherently challenging, but also it must be sort of reassuring at times, I imagine. Um, so uh, with that said, this must have been a really interesting period for you guys and your partnership. Um, who's driving who's driving the bus on this uh, on, on all these trade proposals? Uh, and is it is it both of you? Like are you both able to send proposals out? Did you both like mutually decide that a rebuild was in order? Tell us, uh, tell us more. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we can go back to sort of draft strategy, you know, setting out the initial team, if you want to circle back to that in a little bit, because I, when you mentioned that before the call, I, I, I was like, oh, I, I hadn't actually put the pieces together. But let, let's talk about the sort of dynamic here with the trades. Um, for the most part, I'm in the driver's seat with this particular league, just sort of the way that we've kind of worked it out. But I don't really hit send and, until I say, hey, Josh, look at this trade. Like, I think we could, you know, add an arm, you know, or we could trade this back for, you know, this prospect. Um, I think both of us have done redraft for so many years that, like, our brains are wired for re redraft. And when it comes to Dynasty, neither of us know what we're doing. Like, mm -hmm. we're literally just in this cloud of dust. Um, and you know, trying to make sense of it uh, because the redraft rankings versus dynasty rankings are very different. Um, and like our brains are wired for the, the redraft rankings because yeah. that's just what we've done for so long. Um, so there's a lot of just guessing. And I think that um, he's, you know, willing to defer to sort of uh, my judgment, you know, just because we trust each other, we've probably co-managed, I would say about 20 teams together over the course of, you know, wow. a couple of years. Oh, wow. um, it's just, we have that sort of left hand, right hand, um, you know, familiarity that if I say, you know, let's go for it, he, he's going to trust me that um, I've at least put a little bit of thought to it. Nice. Well, we, you know, the circle change league was a redraft. It still is a redraft league. Um, we we did a spinoff for Dynasty last year. Chris and I have been talking for years about doing like Keeper or Dynasty, but, you know, we're in the same boat. Like I, all I've ever done is, is redraft. I did like one or two years of taking over a, a last place Dynasty team and, and kind of got a taste for it and, and realized it was good. Um, but it is interesting. Like I, I it is really broadened my horizons and, and made baseball like added a whole dimension to it. It's really awesome. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking at your roster right now, Doug, and um, you've got a few, I mean, it's, it's not a bad roster by any means. Um, you've got a few building blocks there. Um, Rosarena. I know you traded recently for Trey Turner. Um, is there, is there anybody who you're particularly attached to right now that um, you're looking to build around? I mean, you don't have to give me, like the all the insider details right now, but what are your thoughts about how your roster stands, and are you still looking to to make some more trades? If you asked me about a week and a half ago, I would have said Trout is untradeable, and you did say that, by the way. <laughs> he's the yeah, he's the building block. Like he's the guy yeah. that is going to carry this team for about ten years. Um, then. I got a trade offer with Walker Bueller and Adley and, you know, Tails sent me the, the offer and I started looking at it and said, maybe, maybe we should trade trout. Maybe <laughs> there's some merit to this. I, I know we can get to the, you asked a different question. So I, I will um, sort of get back to that more clearly, but I, I would say the trout trade experience has taught me that, Did we lose Doug? And if anything, maybe maybe be a little bit more um, uh, like take a few more risks in trying to facilitate some of these trades just to see what happens mm. because you never know. Mm -hmm. We lost you there for a second. Um, you, you were you were saying like, and 
I finally realized mm-hmm. that, and then you froze. Um, but I think oh, we. Oh man. <laughs> I think I think we get. Yeah. I think we, it seems like there. You're saying that like, under realizing that trout could be moved, it sort of opened your mind about about trades in general, and and kind of felt like you get really creative with it. Is that the idea? Yeah. So. <laughs> Coming away from the draft, I followed dynasty, the dynasty pro rankings and like followed it by the book. And dynasty pros would tell me that I had a good team because I had a lot of guys on those rankings, like, like pretty high up. My team sucked. Um, I was doing horrible. And and the funny thing is, after the draft, I was like, you know, looking at the team on paper, I'm like, I don't like this team. I huh. don't like it. But Dynasty Pros says it's great, right? There's so many high-ranked guys on here. Let's just see what happens. And so for the first season, we just sort of let it ride and just sort of said, okay, well, Dynasty Pros says this is a good team. It should be a good team. Let's see what happens. Um, And then a season and a half later, basically, we found out this is not a good team. Um, Not a good team at all, actually. Like, you know, we were in last um, for a good chunk of it. Um, and that's when I said, we're basically just going to blow it up and reconfigure completely mm. and just see what happens with no sort of expectation for, oh, we're going to go after this type of player or category, whatever. It's literally the, the strategy now is don't get too locked into rankings uh, because that did me no good. That, in fact, did me a lot of harm because I was holding on to guys I should have never held on to. Um, or probably held on to for too long just because, well, Dynasty Pros says they're good. You should hold on to them. I knew in my gut. I said, I don't like them. I don't want them anymore. There's a guy on the waiver wire who's doing maybe twice as good, like a Kyle Seeger, for example. Not a sexy, you know, fantasy baseball player to own, but outperforming a lot of the guys that Dynasty Pros says should be doing better. So I said, I'm done with it, right? I'm going to go, I'm going to try to catch a little bit of lightning in a bottle at a time. And if Kyle Seeger is that guy for two, three weeks, I'm going to ride that bat and then see if I have to move on to the next guy. That's my new strategy. The rankings question is, is fascinating. I mean, everybody's got a different system, I guess, but you know, my first or second year playing dynasty, I think it was uh, second, second year. Jordan, was like not even on a top 100 prospect list um, generally. Consensus, not non, non top 100 prospect. And then like by June, not only is he like the top prospect in baseball, he's like, you know, pressing a case for being like a top 20 player in all of, in all of baseball. Like this is a very fluid situation and dynasty does not change that necessarily. Like things, things can still change quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's very interesting, uh, very interesting perspective. Um, do you want to talk about the about the trout trade? You know the the big one. Um, I, I'm I'm itching to do it. My my question about that is um, Trey Turner. I mean, he's a really good fantasy. You're a Nationals fan. Um, were you targeting him from the beginning, or how do you feel about having Turner now as opposed to Trout as one of your key players? I feel like Trey Turner is probably going to hold some good value for about the next five years until he suffers a lower 
leg injury or lower body injury and loses his feet. Mm. Um, and I'm going to hopefully ride a good five years and see where it takes me. Um, I have, you know, buyers, sellers remorse, I suppose, you know, over the trade. Like I'm very happy that we made the trade. It was a fun trade. It was a really good experience negotiating and I have no regrets, but I do know that, you know, trading someone like Mike Trout, who was very much in his prime and it was having one of the best seasons of his career this year can probably do this for about 10 more years. Look at someone like Nelson Cruz, who is hitting really well into his forties, or at least has shown that capability. Mike Trout is very capable of doing that. So his back can do this for 10 more years. I knew that, you know, going into this. And so, you know, I do have an element of regret. Like, yeah, I gave up that solid bat who could do this for 10 more years for someone who's going to give me the stolen base category for probably five years. Um, it, it then came down to, um, you know, Adley, the, the catcher from Baltimore, like all the hopes are kind of pinned on him that he can become that Buster Posey type player so that I can couple Turner and Adley together and they can do something. But um, I also have seen so many prospects just, flame out that like I'm not you know completely sure right like you, you have a lot of guys who are just you know tearing the cover off the ball in double a triple a and they make it to the majors and they're struggling we don't know yet we have no glimpse or idea what's going to happen so you know I'm really nervous because I traded for a guy that has a high you know high ceiling here who knows what he's going to really do and then I have Turner who's completely dependent on his wheels. So if he loses his wheels, game over, Teo, you win the trade by far, and that's that. You know, that that's what it comes down to for me. But, like, it was such a fun experience negotiating the trade, and I'm still very happy with the haul that I would do it again 10 out of 10 times. So um, Adley Rutschman, who, you know, is one of the top prospects right now, he reminds me a lot, and I don't know, like, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but when Matt Wieters was coming up, he was, like, the number one prospect in baseball, and um, everybody was like, oh, this is going to be the new, like, Hall of Fame catcher. He's going to, like, change the game, really. He's a big guy. He hits from both sides of the plate. There's a lot of similarities with Adley. I don't, and, you know, Wieters seems like a worst-case scenario, almost, like, if, if Adley comes up and hits 20 home runs with, like, a low average, low on-base percentage for a number of years, he could be a, a Wieters type, but I mean, the, the other end of the spectrum is, like you're saying, Posey. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm inclined to think that Rutschman is going to be more towards the Posey end of the spectrum. Yeah. Although, Wieters is, was not a bad player. He just did never live up to the hype, really. So, that, 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 that I mean, he's an exciting player to watch. I want to make a want to drop a comment here um, and then would give it back to you. As, like, the, the guy who drafted – uh, and I believe his name is pronounced Rushman. Um, <laughs> I think so. I heard someone say that. I have no idea. Um, but you know, I, I also think that he goes towards the towards the posy end. And and you know, this maybe this doesn't matter, but I think that like analytics and scouting have gone have come a long way since since Weeders. And I think if the entire industry is telling you like this is a professional hitter with a plus hit tool with plus power switch, you know, switch hitter catcher with great defensive instincts. Like there isn't a bad thing to be said about him. 
and a day after we completed the trade, I think he went, um, he had two home runs. Uh, his batting average is, is climbing up, but his OPS was already at like 950 or something like that on, on the season. His first assignment at double A, I mean, this is like very impressive, very impressive stuff. But the thing that makes him so exciting and made him so exciting for me, because I wasn't looking to get rid of him. I just felt like he was the, the quality piece I had to put in here. Um, is that like Posey in his peak years was was like legitimately like a top 30 overall player just based on his performance nothing to do with position scarcity um and that's and that's incredible but you had to spend a fortune on him and cost yourself a better outfielder or first baseman or, or whatever the case may be um Rushman is is like a cheat code because yes, you've like you've paid the freight in some ways, but like two years from now, you're potentially going to have this you know production coming out of a catcher spot that nobody else has, and you're not going to spend a third round pick on it. Like you're going to have all of those players baked in already, which makes it such an interesting. The long term value is such an interesting question. But uh, so the. Um, do you have anything to, to add to that? Because I, 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 a lot of what you said resonated, and I wanted to add my side as well. Yeah, well, when we started talking about Matt Wieters, it reminded me that um, just today, I think he got dropped from the U.S. Olympic baseball team. And so on the radio, they were talking about, you know, how heralded he was uh, and, and, you know, how highly touted he was as a prospect. And I just, you know, put my hands on my head and I was like, oh man, did I just trade for Matt Wieters? Like, did I really just do this? And I, you know, a national and all, like, I guess that, you know, uh, I can rest my cap on that, that, um, you know, Wieters was a national, but, um, yeah, I carry a lot of hesitation with this trade. I, I think it speaks to the difficulty in trading in dynasty because the three of us value Adley probably differently. And so when we're sending these trade offers with prospects, we're often going in with the mindset that I perceive to be a ceiling, like he's capable of being X and that's, you know, then I'm going to try to get a player on that level uh, from you. But we all value these prospects so differently. And that's, I think it makes trading very difficult, but it also makes trading very possible because there's a lot more sort of mixing and matching that can happen. Um, and then sometimes at the end of the day, uh, it really is just a dart throw that um, I'm just going to have to take a chance on this guy because the other guy sitting on my roster, well, they're not doing anything for me. So I'm going to take a chance on the future. By the way, I'm looking at um, Matt Wieters' stats from when he first came up. He was actually pretty good. I feel like we, we have, thrown Matt Wieters kind of under the bus here, but you know, 20 something home runs, decent on base. If Adley ends up being that, it's not going to be a disaster, but um, I don't know. I think he's going to be better than that. Yeah, that's interesting. Just, just a side note. Yeah. Cause I've heard that comparison a lot. So I just wanted to bring that up. The trade will be a disaster if Turner gets hurt. Then it's uh, no doubt that trade. Yeah. 
these things are hard to predict. I mean, you know, that's that's a possibility. And I and I follow your reasoning about like Trout's uh, about <clears throat> excuse me Turner's legs. But at the same time, like your, you know, Trout's value has been propped up over years by his stolen base production and this calf injury. Like these things can linger for a long time. They can become a, a recurring problem. And you know, it seems like Madden is is aggressive and kind of lets his, his best players do their thing, like Otani. But uh, it seems like a smart organization would tell him to stop running um, after after this incident. Um, and and he's hurt right now, so like like I have a definite injury risk, right, or a much more certain injury risk uh, on on my end of the deal. Um, yeah. Hey, we're we're hearing some uh, some feedback. Are you hearing that? Or is that just, uh, um, it's almost like a vacuum cleaner is running over the microphone. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. It might be the air conditioner. I can uh, pause and go to a different spot of the basement if that'll help. I, it's it's all right. Um, well, uh, let me let me describe the process from uh, from my end because I have been uh, burning to to tell this story and talk about the process um, uh, for for the last week. Um, so, you know, for me, like this this trade. I, I trace this back to the draft to my draft as well. I had these seven I had the seventh slot in the draft last year. And when you know I, I randomized the thing, I randomized the order on my own and then plugged that into the system. So I had this whole process and I vetted it and showed it to everybody and there was gonna be a timestamp so everyone knew like I hit the button once and didn't, you know, try to um, cheat uh, cheat on it. And I hit the button and it gave me seven. I was like, fuck, <laughs> like audible fuck. Um, because seven in a dynasty startup, to me, that means like you're too late for the ride or die guys at the top who are a guaranteed hit. And you're too early to go after like the next generation of talent. I considered drafting Vladimir Guerrero, but at that point, like he hadn't done anything yet. Um, and it just seemed like too risky a move. So I, I drafted Lindor after after Nelson drafted Tatis. And I just felt like unsatisfied with it. I felt like this is not this is not enough oomph. I guess I'm a little more sort of power power inclined, and I've always doubted Lindor a little bit um, in, in that respect. I still think he's a great player. Um, I flipped him for Turner the situation was so different back then, but, um, you know, Turner, Turner is an, is an amazing player. And I think coming into next year, he will probably be ranked over trout because not only is he like a, you know, the best stolen base threat in, in the game, he also like his exit velocity numbers are terrific. Like he's, he's impacting the, the game on multiple levels right now, uh, in his prime. And he belongs in the first, you know, in the first five or six picks at this point. Um, cause everything looks legitimate. I still felt like somehow this is not, this is not the captain of my team. I want, I was, I kept yearning for like a trout Soto Acuna type player to bolster everything and, and, uh, you know, and then build around with, with my CJ Abrams, uh, type guys. So, you know, I think I reached out to you last year when trout was having a great, you know, great season and healthy and, uh, and got turned down. Um, and, you know, 
my my lesson was like there is no buying opportunity with trout unless there's like blood in the water and people are, are legitimately concerned so this calf injury like was very upsetting for me to hear about just because i you know i admire trout and i want him to to succeed we're gonna have to turn the tape over in just a second so we'll monitor that um but it also was kind of like a, a alarm bell like this is if there's ever going to be a buying opportunity this is it um so uh i reached out and i you know i think i made a strong opening offer and then the process that unfolded from there was was a ton of fun for me as well i feel like you guys drove a hard bargain i did not initially contemplate putting turner on this deal and i think the first time you asked i i kind of backed away from the whole process but to your credit you kept you know, we were talking over email kept bringing me back into it and uh encouraging me that like you know we could find a way to make this work um and uh you know it's it's such a titanic change that i couldn't help but feel like some remorse or like fear about what you know what's happening next um but I'm still extremely happy about it and seeing trout on my on my roster is, is obviously gives me a thrill so one second while we while we change the tape here um okay and we're back so that's uh that's kind of the story from my perspective Chris what are your what are your thoughts yeah, well, when when I saw the trade come through, Teo texted at me and was like, you know, what are your thoughts? I thought you did very well, Doug. Um, I mean, the relief pitcher you got is not just a throw in either. I mean, he's a very valuable. He, I mean, he he could be one of the better relief pitchers in the league over the next few years. So, I mean, if I'm going to trade Trout, that's the return I'm looking for. So I would just say, well done to you on on getting on getting you know a good return. Um, you know, this this a lot could hinge on this trade. This could be Teo's season right here. If Trout comes back strong, he could make a push for the for the number one spot. This could be your whole future right here. So I feel like this is really one of the key trades in the league uh, so far, and um, just really interested to see how it goes. So that's really my my feedback so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, good luck to both of you. I think it was a well well organized trade, and uh, I hope you both have success from it. I have to give Teo a lot of credit for that strong initial offer. Um, you know, there was a part of me that was just like, you know, when I saw it, I was like, wow, I, you know, that sounds really good. Like I could did accept. And of course I had to sit there and think about it. Um, and as I thought about it more, I was like, well, it's a really good trade. It's just not, it's not enough for me to trade trout. And, and that's where, we kept getting stuck, at least between my co-manager and I, that like, if we were going to trade Trout, it had to be for the right people. Um, and I think it had to be, there had to be this element of a piece I can use now and a piece I can use later. I was not willing to just sell Trout for a bunch of highly touted prospects and say, yeah. okay, I'm gonna go with that. Um, so, from my perspective, like I have Turner in my lineup now, I probably will start bumping up a little bit more in the stolen bases category. Um, and then, you know, hopefully in a year, I have another player I can introduce into the lineup. 
I'm not planning on being on the bottom end of this, uh, of the standings, uh, you know, here. I pretty much feel like I had to give up the first month of the season, was recovering from knee surgery, and was, like, not really thinking about this. And so, you know, I just sort of autopiloted everything, just, okay, start active players, and didn't really think about it. Um, and now I feel like, okay, I've taken control of the team. Uh, I only have two bats that I drafted. Everybody else I've either flipped or, you know, acquired on waivers. And I actually feel really good that I'm just going to try to find that lightning in the bottle and see what happens. Uh, um, but going back to the trade momentarily, it, it only happened because of the strong initial offer that it was like, okay, this is a serious conversation. Um, and both of us were, you know, slightly uncomfortable with the trade, but only so slightly, like enough to keep us really interested in making the trade. Um, and then, you know, we, we pretty much got to a place where it was trout for Turner and Ruchman and then somebody else. And then we spent like a day trying to figure out who's going to be that somebody else. I was at the playground with my three-year-old and, you know, we're, we're sort of texting and messaging and, and, you know, there's just like all these messages, messages flying around. Um, and we just landed on, let's just try to get a reliever. And so we kind of played around, should it be Devin Williams? Um, we landed on Clace, if I can pronounce that correctly, um, and said, that's good enough. We addressed sort of all the needs, um, uh, you know, that we had. And importantly for me, I was able to move on from the Gary Sanchez era and say there's a new catcher in town. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> well, this has been such so fascinating. Um, I think this will be a, a, a hit with our, our podcast crowd. Um, but before we wrap up, um, are you done with the trades or are you going to keep going? So I find the trade, the, I find trading to be a lot of fun and it gets you engaged with the other owners in the league. Um, you know, I just have a ton of, you know, offline messages and emails with, you know, the other owners and it's given me a chance to really understand like, okay, uh, this guy really loves uh, Alvarez or really loves Rosarina. Like, and now I know, okay, you know, if I ever sort of get, you know, um, tired of a player, I'm going to go seek them out and just sort of, you know, feel out what's going on. Um, for me, just the, the experience trading, getting to know the owners, and then just sort of keeping things kind of fresh on the team. Um, I trade a lot in redraft. I actually traded for Mike Trout in one of my redraft leagues today. Um, I trade a lot in those leagues. I just, I, I really get a lot of satisfaction out of it. Um, so the trades, unfortunately, for everyone who likes a clean inbox, uh, we'll keep coming. <laughs> That's great. I've enjoyed it immensely. Um, so uh, I've gotten a lot of offers myself. Um, I always uh, think very hard about each one. So keep sending them to me. I, it, it keeps me entertained for sure. And I'll have to, you know, send an upfront apology that like I try my best to use Dynasty Pros to set the table for some of the rank or the trades. But like at the end of the day, it's really hard with the values. So like if I send something offensive, just tell me it was offensive and then say, here's what I would like to see instead. You're not going to offend me. I'm just trying to sort of have fun with this. Um, and I'm throwing, a, you know, a dart just like anybody else. 
more good vibes. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it's this has been a treat to talk to you, Doug. I'm, I'm happy to happy that, that we can make this happen, and it's great to hear about your strategy and wishing you the best of luck for the rest of the year. Same here. I appreciate it. Uh, my goal is to get to sixth place. We'll see how that turns out, but you know, last to not last is the goal, and I think I'll get there. Love it. Good luck to you, man. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks, Thank Doug. You we'll have you me. back sometime for sure. Talk about some of these trades that you made. See how they yeah. look in the future. That'd be awesome. Thank you, guys. All right, man. Talk to you. Bye. Bye. Well, that was amazing. That was a blast. So interesting. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for coming on, Doug. I hope you uh, hope you enjoyed hearing yourself talk about your team. I always get a kick out of that. Yeah, and uh, you know we'll have more guests on. Um, so you guys who are listening to the pod can see how it goes. Um, if you want to come on next pod, talk about your team, we'll be happy to have you. I would love to get um, Fairbanks Yanks. Yeah, I'll never get him. I'll never be able to book him, but I would love to get him on this podcast. He's like, he's like uh, Ellen. The Ellen DeGeneres show is like, oh, you really need to get Christian Bale this week, and they could like never get him. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> That's great. Well, that was a ton of fun. It was. It was also interesting hearing from my trade partner, you know, and getting the kind of behind the scenes, uh, behind the scenes look. Um, uh, I, I like hearing as well that like the serious offer the serious opening offer was was appreciated and made a difference in the overall process um that's not something i'm always the best at um i sometimes get stars in my eyes and and you know i can sort of talk myself into like you know a really lopsided trade and and send something stupid over without without even really thinking about it Mm. but i did make an effort this time to show like put some skin in the game I'm serious here are like some really good players and um that's 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 an interesting thing i'll definitely be thinking about that my next uh, my next proposal um so well you know it's been great talking to doug for the first half of the pod um i think it would make sense for us to just take a quick look at the standings um I, because we've had a lot of change since the last pod and mm-hmm. uh slapdick prospects is really catching some fire recently and he's ascending to the top of the rankings and he's kind of you know, six points up right now. Um, what do you think, Teo? Do you think you think Brad uh, is is gonna stay there for the rest of the year? Uh, yes, I do. I mean, honestly, like part of the other part of the trout of, of the trout saga, and and why you know that may have looked weird. Um, you know, why I was kind of punning on this year is, um, you know, it's around the time Brad caught up with me. In the standings, I, I went over to his team one morning and and really did uh, really took a close look for the first time, and I thought like, there's no way I can, there's no way I can compete with this. Like knowing that he had not gotten a real contribution from Mookie Betts yet, and Francisco Lindor, and was still like pacing me on every on probably every offensive stat that you know the Vlad outbreak is is finally here. Uh, and it looks like this. Um, and then, you know, you look at the, at the pitching side and it's just like the same, it's the same story. Like there's just seemed an impossible amount of depth, uh, and quality. Um, so I do think, uh, I do think Brad's going to repeat, um, a lot can change, but, uh, he's, he's had a hell of a season and this, this is a great squad. Yeah. I mean, there's just, I mean, he's got so many 
key players. Um, you know, obviously he he he's he's done well with trades. He got Scherzer earlier this year, which was huge. And we'll get into that a little bit more later. Um, I mean, this is a walks league. Uh, Max Muncy is one of the most valuable players you can get in a walks league. He got Marcus Simeon from me, um, and that's been a huge trade for him. It's hard to see him barring, and he's had pretty good luck uh, injury-wise. Uh, some of us have not been so fortunate. Um, so I think barring uh, an injury crisis, um, he's going to be the team to beat the rest of the year. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, the other thing is, like, I look around and I see, like, some great players who are performing right around the level they should be, and then some great players who are still underperforming. And that's, like, that sort of dynamic makes me think, like, this is the this is a real winning a real winning team. So since the last pod, we've also seen um, Hide the Soap Dish, uh, that's that's Cameron, uh, climb up the rankings a little bit. And we've also seen Andrew Wesleyan climb up a bit. Um, th- these are two guys who I was never never going to count out. Um, they've, they've, uh, they're have they very savvy fantasy managers. So um, it's scary for me who, you know, got off to such a good start this year to see them climbing up because I'm, I'm the next team, you know, they're hunting down. So... I would not be surprised if those guys were, um, you know, fighting for a podium finish the rest of the year. Um, and then we have uh, Doug, obviously, and, and uh, uh, our, our, our guy, uh, Mr. Manager Phil, uh, at, at the bottom of the league. But they both are obviously very knowledgeable and uh, have have definitely, you know, big plans in place. So it's a very dynamic table right now. Um. Yeah, and I also want to I want to spend a minute talking about um, about Eric's team. Yeah, please, please do. You know, I thought when I overtook Eric, my, you know, I, I've been playing with Eric for a couple of years, and I know that he's uh, you know an ex- a really, really advanced uh, manager, very, uh, very cunning um, and strategic thinker. Um, but I looked around and thought, like, okay, so this is a hot start from Ryan McMahon, and. He's got Jose Altuve, like all these Astros hitters who are not as good as they were a couple of, a couple of years ago, um, and uh, and then you know not much else besides besides Bryce Harper, and then on the pitching side, um, you know these are hot starts from uh, Radon um, and uh, a couple other people I can't remember, can't remember who, um, but I basically thought like. Means means is one of the big ones. Means, yeah, means is the big one. I thought so. He has two no hitters this year. That's pretty impressive. Um, I guess my sense was like, okay, I've I've taken over Eric. I'm getting production where I expected to. Eric has had this is is on this like fading hot streak um, moment, and these guys are just good. Um, you know, they they continue to perform at an extremely high level, and uh, I have sort of given up hope on on catching Eric as well because this it just seems like he has all the momentum he needs to, mm. to keep it right there on the podium. Interesting. Well, it is only one-third of the way through the season, so a lot can change. But, um, you know, this is it's just super competitive right now. There's no team that is checked out. I don't know if we'll ever have a team that's checked out right now. Um, and if we didn't get to some of the teams, uh, I know we would love to talk to Fairbanks Yanks at some point. Um, He's an interesting manager that very mysterious as well. Um, you know, if you want to call him for the next pod, that would be amazing. I, I would say. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, looking over the list, I'd love to hear from everybody. I'd love yeah. to hear from Cam, uh, Eric. Eric almost made it on for this episode. Love to talk to him. Um, all the way down to, to Wildcat Nation, um, who had a great blog post, a great uh, message board post the other night. Um, that's like, I, I'm, I know he's in last place, but like, I'm legitimately square, scared of that team um, with Wander Franco coming up. Kellenix had a cold start, but, um, you know, still a really high impact bat. So um, love to hear from all of you. Please come on. So um, moving on, um, you know, we've had a bunch of really big trades in the last few weeks. Um, we hit on a couple of them. I mean, we'll just quickly go through some of the big ones since our last podcast. Um, you know, on, on May 18th, uh, Brad of Slapdick Prospects traded Scherzer for Corbin Carroll and Luis Patino. Um, what do you think, Teo? Did, did uh did Brad get a, you know, did he rob uh, impulsive bloggers in that one, do you think? I mean, I think that that comes down to just like the the subjective component of of uh, of dynasty baseball. Like clearly Carlo is making a decision over that that affects his team over the next five years. At the end of, you know, and, and just in a couple of years, it's hard. It's really hard to picture Scherzer continuing to pitch. Um at the level he's been right. at traditionally. Um, so on one's on one level, it seems really smart to try to move him now. Um, but, you know, getting two prospects means that you are taking on some risk. Like neither, neither one of them could ever make it. Um, I'm sure that won't happen, but as exciting as Carol and Patino are, they're not proven yet. Right. And, uh, and you never know what's going to happen. So it is, a, it is a risky move. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the more interesting trades that I've seen so far. I mean, it's really like the, the, this is what fantasy uh, dynasty baseball leagues are all about trading prospects like this for a proven guy who may have just a couple of years left. So, I mean, this could have a huge implication on the future of the league. We'll see. Uh, Carol, I've heard great things about. Tino has shown a little bit at the big league level. We'll see. I mean, this is one of the bigger wait and see moves that I've seen so far. I think there's reason for excitement with both of them. I mean, Carol has uh, Carol has leapfrogged some very impressive players in the Astro in the uh, in the Diamondbacks organization to be their top overall guy. And um, you know, I think the comp I've heard that is you know at once sort of gross but also very sexy is uh, is Prime Ellsbury. Mm, um, yeah, which you know is is a potentially league winning interesting player, but you know Patino uh, struggled in San Diego last year. I actually had him on my team, hmm. um, and the trade to the Rays was both super exciting and also like kind of nerve wracking because on the one hand they're probably going to continue to use him as a reliever because that's how they get you know point oh one WAR more out of him mm -hmm. than if they stretched him into a starter. And on the other hand, if any organization is going to help him tap into his strengths, um, it's it's going to be them. And I think you know the Statcast metrics show you like a pretty night and day story. Like he he made changes that could really boost his uh, performance in the major league level. Um, so the next big trade, which came last week, uh, and this was a long time coming, and I was involved. I got rid of Blake Snell and Victor Robles. Uh, for a couple unproven guys, uh, Christian Robinson and Ryan Weathers. Um, and I've been floating Snell for a while. Um, I was, I'm just sick and tired of, of seeing him on my team. Um, I, I posted on the message board, I think, that 
Snell had had one quality start since 2019, um, since July of 2019. Um, so I was just, I was just done. I mean, this is a quality start league. Uh, you know, he shows good stuff in his starts, but he just throws a lot of pitches. Um, you know, he's prone to the occasional like stinker. Well, he, he'll go two or three innings and go with a lot of runs like he did the other night. Um, I was just ready to move on from Snell. Um, you know, it was maybe seen as an impulsive move. Um, and I maybe didn't get the um, return that maybe you guys would have gotten in the same situation. But what was your initial reaction to getting rid of Snell? Would you have done the same thing? And do you think I got a decent return? That's that's a little hard for me to answer because I've never I've never owned Snell. I actually that's not true. I I did pick him up when he when he got his first cup of coffee and quickly formed an impression. This is in redraft. Um, quickly formed an impression that this guy was a scrub that like he had great stuff, but that it just wasn't going to come together as like an elite major league, major league level pitcher, which, you know, happens all the time with, with pitching prospects. Um, uh, I think Snell still has enough name brand value. You know, his Cy Young year is a little stale at this point, but he did have a, such a dominant performance in the world series. Um, that you know when i see him discussed in like trade you know rate my trade uh talks on on twitter like i think the expectation is still that like you should get a solid haul uh for snell and that he's a good long-term hold but you know if he's not injured there's it's very difficult to explain this performance especially you know pitching in san diego like this right. should be a pretty good scenario for him and he's surrounded by like by great talent and and seemingly an organization that you know that blends uh, analytics into its operations and uh you know i i would be very i would have been very alarmed if i was holding him at this point yeah i mean i, I watched him a bunch i couldn't tell what was going on um you know his velocity was where it normally is you know he he threw a good breaking ball nothing he passed the eye test i guess you could say um but just you know, we're a quality start league, as I said. It was it was just getting very frustrating, and I just needed some somebody new on the team. Um, I, I may have sold low on him, but um, I'm happy uh, happy with what I got. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a hard year to overtake Brad. Um, I think Christian Robinson, Ryan Weathers will will set me up for some success, maybe a year or two down the line. But um, yeah, I mean, good luck to Snell. I don't wish him him bad, but I um. You know, I, I had to move on. So, and, and Robles as well, who um, was who has been, who has been a real disappointment for me uh, the last two years. Um, so, yeah, um, good luck, Eric. Uh, I hope that these guys work out for you. They were not working out for me. Sometimes guys just need to change the scenery. Yeah, I, like I, I can also completely understand getting rid of Robles. I just cut him in the redraft league a couple weeks ago. Um, Weathers, you know, some some people I respect um, in the uh, you know sort of dynasty fantasy prospect evaluator space um, were were very impressed with what with what Weathers has been doing this year, um, and say that you know he's really unlocking his his maximum value. It seems like a you know that injury may have set him back a little bit, um, but there definitely seems to be some momentum to, you know, to his, to his value. And then Christian Robinson is like, man, that's, 
that's a real lottery pick. Boom, move. a boom bust prospect if there ever was For one. Sure. Yeah. Um, so you know, we'll see how it goes. A slapdick prospect. Yeah, exactly. I say. So um, you know, we 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 went over the trout trade, um, but you know, one other big one that happened the last few days. Um, and you know, the rich keep getting richer. Um, Brad traded. Clevenger and Trevor Lenarge for um, Luis Castillo, who is one of our. I know we've been talking about him for years, Teo. He's he's a terrific. You know, he's got a terrific sinker. He throws really hard. Um, he's had a rough start so far. So Brad may have made a pretty shrewd move to to, to you know to grab him when he could. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth a dice roll here. Like he didn't give up anybody who's really going to hurt whose absence is going to hurt him this year. Um, Clevenger is, is going to be out till next season. Um, and then Larnach is, uh, you know, who knows? Like he, he could be an impact bat, but more likely he's sort of a replacement level outfielder, um, corner outfielder this year. Um, and, you know, why not take a bet on, uh, on Luis Castillo? But having said that, um, you know, I'm, I've always been, a huge Castillo booster um, going back to his going back to his first year. This league has kind of taken the fun out of it a little bit for me because you could always ignore his like walk rate in a in a normal league. Um, you can't really do that here. Like in in one of the you know four or five categories that he's going to make a difference in, he kind of holds you back. Um, but you know his struggles this year are super interesting. I don't, uh, I, I don't have the like brain power to digest and and sort of understand these trends. But you know, um, I think it's interesting that Castillo and um, Devin Williams, two guys who like feasted on the strength of their changeup um, last year and and for years in uh, in Castillo's case with the new ball this year, suddenly like lost all of your horizontal mm. movement, you know, uh, Castillo's change up. Like you can see the heat map change on, uh, on baseball savant. It, he's throwing it down the middle. It's still dropping, but it's not moving into the corner. Like it always has. So mm. on the one hand, like you look at a trend like that and you think, well, you know, he can overcome that because that's not his fault. And on the other hand, like, you know, Manfred and the league have been very opaque about about the ball for years, and it seems like they make decisions slowly. So, hmm. who knows? Maybe that has nothing to do with it, but it's it's a it is a slightly risky trade, I think. Well, um, all right. Well, good stuff. Um, you know, the trading market has been really strong recently, so mm -hmm. um, we'll look out for more trades. Um, but I think what we've seen the last couple of weeks really sets us up for an interesting rest of the season and, you know, even into the future. So um, it's exciting times. Definitely. So the next segment uh, we wanted to add on for this one um, uh, that I posted about on our message boards is uh, asking, asking the league to talk to us about their best prospects. Um, and there are probably, um, you know, in a league of this size, um, sorry, in a league of this size, everyone's going to have, you know, everyone's going to have a prospect uh, that that everybody knows about a top a top one hundred prospect. But um, I was very pleased with the responses that came in. Um, people highlighting lesser known prospects, um, 
So, uh, and I definitely learned a little bit along the way. So first up, um, we have our uh, second in command this year, uh, Eric. So um, Eric uh, cited a very interesting name, guy I know basically nothing about, um, in uh, Quinn Priester. Do you know? Do you know Quinn Priester? I only know the name because he was. Um, I only know the name because he's a first round draft pick a couple of years ago, and I remember seeing his name on the draft boards, but I knew nothing about him as a prospect. Yeah. So. Um, Eric uh, had an interesting, uh, had sort of interesting description um, on how he found uh, Priester. He said that uh, he did not want to go into detail on, you know, who he follows and, and stuff like that. But um, he did say that, like, the, the sort of qualitative description of Priester is just like, you could tell from the way people were talking about him that this was a different level of talent. So I had to go up and uh, on fan graphs and, and various resources and read a little bit more about this guy. And going on Eric Longenhagen's top 51 prospects for the Pirates organization, um, I'm going to read the last couple of lines here. Um, yeah. Those who read these lists consistently know what I'm about to say is not often seen on these electronic pages. Priester has top of the rotation ceiling. Wow. I mean, that, what more could you want out of a prospect? Yeah. And that's what fan is, the dynasty uh, baseball is all about, is, is finding those players who can develop into that kind of player. So um, well done, Eric, to, to stash him, I would say. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. Like uh, this this year, Gore has really struggled, uh, which you know we could have could have talked to Doug about crap. Um, but um, you know, Whitley has is getting Tommy John surgery. Like it really feels like there isn't a head, there isn't like a, a sort of center of gravity or nucleus to the pitching. Yeah, right no, now. totally agree there. So I think like there are a couple ways you could deal with that. One is to is to target sort of like more command oriented pitchers like um, uh, George Kirby or um, uh, Nick Lodolo, who I, I would, I'm, I'm going to talk about in a second um, from, from judge. Um, another one is to just go to anybody who gets that label on them, which was kind of my strategy last year. Like even if they have command issues, whatever it is, if, if a guy like that is, if a guy like Eric Longenhagen is willing to say like, this guy could become an ace. You roll the dice. You know, it's it's not going to cost you anything. Yeah, I mean, who are the pitching prospects right now who you're eager to see called up to start a game? I mean, is there is there anybody right now who you think is is going to be really exciting as soon as they're called up? I can't really think of anybody. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a difficult uh, that's a difficult question to answer. I mean, you know, I can really only speak for my for my team i'm i'm excited about i'm excited about a couple of guys but there's no but nobody stands out as like you know the way Cindergard did a couple of years yeah. ago where it's like this guy has does the this is what it looks like quality he's going to come up and just roll over batters as yeah. soon as he gets here yeah there's no like uh like you know uh, cancel your plans tonight. Right. We got to see their 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 debut. I mean, it's it's heavily skewed towards position players right now. Um, we saw Kellenek come up recently. Um, I mean, it'll be that way with Torkelson when he comes up. Yeah. Um, with Wander Franco when he comes up. 
But you've got to go pretty far down the list of top prospects to find a pitching prospect who, you know, we haven't seen yet who is going to really, you know, push the needle. It kind of seems like Grayson Rodriguez might be that guy. Hmm. You know, he's got like the combination of like broad repertoire with some really some really nasty pitches with uh, with great stuff and solid command. Um, you know, big bodied um, starting pitching prospect. Um, you know, he's not like at the top of any list yet, but he's close. And and I'm not hearing about like significant warts that, hmm. that make me worry about all the other guys up there. Yeah, I haven't heard a lot about him, but that's an interesting pick. Uh, selfishly, I'm hoping Max Meyer um, comes into this this discussion. I think he's a little he may not, he may not de- debut this year, but. He's one who will be very exciting when he does appear, I think, whether that's late this year or early next year, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that was uh, that was a very interesting, uh, very interesting call. Out. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Eric. Thanks for sharing that. Um, the other uh, person who reached out was uh, 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 here comes the judge, uh, Judge Howell. Um, so um, the first player he highlighted, I'm glad he pointed this out is Nick Lodolo. Um, you and I and, and Brad text throughout the day. Um, I know that that, you know, Brad knowing that, that Eric was his main competition this year was pretty upset about the, uh, the Bauer trade. Um, but you know, I, I remember touching base with judge a, a couple of weeks later and, and, you know, I was very impressed with his level of conviction, uh, about the players he acquired in that deal. Bauer is, you know, he's a top 10, he's a top 10 player right now. And that's that, that might be hard to watch, but he is using glue and mm-hmm. there is something's going to happen on that front anyway. So I can kind of understand wanting to get out of the way. Um, but Lodolo was not high on my radar. And I think actually his reputation had started to sag a little bit. Um, but uh, let's see, 26 innings, 1.01 ERA. 38 to 6 K to BB mm. ratio, 12.8 K over 9, and a 0.82 whip. Sounds good to me. At double A, that'll work. That's that's pretty hot shit. And, you know, add to that that, like, he, he also has this reputation, as Eric described it, um, for being a surgeon in the, uh, in the strike zone. And that quality really stands out to me right now when I look at the rest of the pitching, uh, the pitching prospects. Yeah, um, I mean, the, I think I've mentioned this to you before, Teo, but a lot of the prospect analysts are saying right now, those are the guys you, you look for because maybe they can add velocity. That's something that's easier to come by than it used to be. So the, the real surgeons might be the ones who, you know, you target versus the guys who are, you know, wild but can throw 100 miles an hour right now. Yeah, and Judge has pushed all his chips in on that strategy, I think. He also has George Kirby. Hmm. Um, so he's got two guys who are, who are known for having exceptional command. George Kirby is now throwing like 101 miles an hour or something insane, uh, and Lodolo is doing this. That could be, that you know, those could be, um, you know, top names uh, in, in a couple months if they keep this up. Judge also mentioned um, Jordan Walker, who's a third baseman in the – Cardinals organization, and he was not somebody who I was really familiar with at all before Judge emailed us about about him, um, and he had some pretty good insights into you know his success so far um, in the uh, you know in the minor leagues. 
Um, was he on your radar at all, Teo? No, I, I didn't know the name. Yeah. So seems like Judge, um, you know, he, he knows he knows these guys as well as anybody. Um, you know, it'll, we'll, be, we'll have to track to see if, if uh, the guys we mentioned right now end up being, um, you know, major players. Uh, you know, Walker is a 19-year-old who was drafted out of high school last year. Um, he's definitely a ways away from being in the, in the majors, but um, interesting one to target, I think. And uh, we'll, we'll see what he, what he looks like uh, in the next couple of years. And the third, the third player that um, the judge highlighted was Noel V. Marte, who you know was was a household name in some circles. Um, I think he had the sort of the tag on him before he played stateside, of being a guy who could be like the, the number one prospect eventually, based on his power speed uh, repertoire. Um, and uh, this first assignment um, for for Marte in the in the states has uh, can't can't imagine it going better. Um, than it has so far. All of those skills are there. He's uh, hitting for uh, he's hitting for average, um, and uh, doing everything you'd like to see, and and validating that reputation. So that's that must be extremely exciting. Yeah, it's, it's impressive to me that he can find these guys, and he knows a lot about them. Um, so, well, it tells you that you know you you want to look at these like international prospects really really closely. Yeah, Andrew Franco came out of that. Um, came out of that cluster. Marte is coming out of it now. Julio Rodriguez, like that's that's lightning in a bottle in some cases. Um, what about you, Chris? Um, prospects that I want to tout. Um, I think we we um, hit on Michael Harris last week, who's leading high A in batting right now. Um, and he's he's the guy who's a few years away, but it's very exciting. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of built for the future right now. Um, I have a lot of prospects stashed. Um, and Ronnie Mauricio um, is, is the name that um, I think that most people will know, but he's really taking the next step this year. Um, he's one that um, I'm really excited to see what, what comes of him. I mean, he's he's a shortstop right now. He may be a corner guy uh, down the road, but um, he's developing some nice power this year. Um, you know, we may go see him play a minor league game later this season to see what he looks like in person, but he's the guy who I would highlight for my team. Um. Yeah, no, he's 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 interesting. Like, I guess uh, maybe I had a bitter taste in my mouth from Ahmed Rosario, and just mm. kind of thinking like the Mets cannot develop players right now. And yeah, that, not that a bad, happen. not a bad call. Um, but I, I didn't, you know, I just made assumptions about the kind of player that they were, that they were, the kind of players that they were grooming based on Rosario. Nothing like each other. Um, and I think like you, you made a comment last year that really reset my perception of. Of Mauricio, I think you compared him to um, Luciano mm. um, of the Giants, and a lot of what I've heard about his season this year makes me think that's a that's a pretty shrewd comp. Yeah, but, you know these guys are a long way away. Um, there's a lot of different ways they could go. So you know it's it could go. You know I'm I'm optimistic, but we could also never hear about Mauricio again. So, you know, it's exciting to me to follow a guy like that. who There are so many different possibilities for. Yeah. Um, and then I want to, um, I want to highlight two of my guys. Um, sorry, I am going to do two. Uh, the, the first one I've talked to you a bunch about, but I've been like itching to, to talk about this player and I, I wasn't willing to do it in the winter before I picked him up um, before I picked him up on waivers. I actually didn't even want to, nominate him in the draft because i was worried that like one other person would have heard his name 
um, and, and try to beat me to a, it turns out nobody cares. Uh, Luis Medina, mm-hmm. uh, Yankees prospect. Uh, so that's fun. Um, I read about Medina a couple of years ago and a cliche you'll see in all of the reports about him, um, is that goes something like, you know, it's never been a question of stuff. And that's true, but I want to like put the emphasis where it belongs in that, in that sentence. Um, when, when people say that about other players, it's, it's to say like, he's got terrible command, but the stuff is actually okay with Medina. Like this is ace level stuff. And when you see it on tape, it just blows you away. I don't know if you'd, I don't know if like you can say that anybody has like the best fastball, but it's certainly my favorite fastball to watch. It just seems to have a mind of its own. He's got a big lanky frame. He whips, you know, he's got really whippy mechanics and um, he has walked an insane number of batters in his professional career seems to be moving in the right direction in that way. But I feel like his, it could all come together with, for him without becoming like a perfect command artist because like his stuff moves so much and is such dramatic action on it that I think like if you're standing in the box against a player like that, you're worrying like which, you know, which arm slot is he going to use right now? What kind of movement is he going to put on his fastball? I have no idea what's happening. And the fact that it's all coming to you at like 98 miles an hour is just the icing on the cake. So he's in high A right now. Um, Realistically, when do you think he might be able to make it up to the majors? I think he's going to debut this year. Wow. Um, And and I think he'll debut as a reliever. But, um, you know, the the Yankees have a lot of needs uh, in the pitching department this year. And though he may be young of age and, you know, in, in, in high A, he's been in the organization for a long time. They've been working on him for a while. So um, it would not surprise me to see him jump a level. Yeah. I was surprised to see that he had deb- debuted in 2016 in the organization. So he's been around for a while. Yes. Um, uh, the other player I want to, I want to touch on is uh, a recent acquisition, Oswald Peraza. Do you know that name? No, not at all. Tell so, me about him. Peraza is gaining a lot of momentum. And I figured like I was getting to a point where like I didn't have space for him necessarily on my roster, but I felt like one of these waiver cycles, someone's going to make a move on him because he has, um, you know, really uh, turned a lot of heads. A couple of weeks ago, he had like a streak of games where he had five home runs in a row. Um, He is known as a contact hitter um, with, you know, good approach, doesn't strike out very often and steals a lot of bases. Hmm. And let me, let me pull up some, uh, some numbers. Now, oh, right. You know, I, I, ideally you're rooting for a guy like this, who's also in the team that you pull for as a system. Do you think, be honest, do you think these guys being Yankees, you have any bias towards them? No, I actually think I have to overcome a bias because in my lifetime, the Yankees have never been good at like developing players for the most part. Um, There are exceptions, but like after the Jeter, Pettit, Posada, um, uh, Rivera years, like they really pivoted to just acquiring uh, free agents. Um, And I kind of got used to thinking like, you know, they, they always finish high in the standings, so they just don't have access to the, to the right player pool to develop a star level, uh, a star level player. 
and that's changed a lot in recent years. Like the, there's a very inefficient market in international, uh, in the international player pool. And they have like jumped in with both feet. Um, a lot of their best pitching prospects are, are international prospects that they, that they acquired at a young age. Um, and then of course, uh, Jason Dominguez, um, is, is the best example. Um, but there is still a lingering sense for me that like, this is not an organization that's going to pump out, you know, top prospects. I don't expect Peraza to get up to that level, but like, you know, look at what he does. This is like an, he's an extremely competent base dealer who does have like super low strikeout rate, high walk rate. And the thing that like really turned my head this off season was like a couple of sources that I trust screaming like Oswald Peraza is a power hitter Hmm. and the results don't show it yet. You need to trust me. Like he hits the ball super hard. And you know, that data is like very hard to get access to. It's, it's really word of mouth. There's no like baseball savant resource that I'm aware of that shows you exit velocities. But this year that's happening. The home run streak came to an end, but he continues to steal bases in the lead, right? And he's hitting the ball hard, um, according to every source I've heard, and 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 uh, you know, getting a lot of extra base hits. So suddenly, I'm like super excited about this guy. Well, it looks like that that Hudson Valley High A team is an exciting one to follow right now. Uh, we should try to go to a game sometime for sure. Westland and I are going on uh, Tuesday uh, next week. Fantastic. Um, Renegades at uh, Renegades at Cyclones. Good stuff. Well, those are some deep, deep cuts right there. Um, and uh, it'll be fun to track those guys. Um, but yeah, I think that about wraps us up for, for the, the podcast. Anything else to add to? Uh, no, it was uh, Doug. Thank you so much for coming on. That was uh, great to great to meet you face to face and uh, and talk about talk about your team and co-manager and all that, all that good stuff. Thank yeah. You so that much. really made the podcast for us. So I uh, hope to hear from, you know, more of you guys in the next podcast. Uh, but yeah, why don't you take us on with a song to <laughs> I wasn't ready. Okay. Here it is.